0: Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast.
1: Inside the episode today, David and I are going inside the episode titled Be Pulled Into Success. So here we are once again, remote studio, excited to be here. Absolutely. All right, I love this first, studio. Yeah, first, first and foremost, being pulled into success. The the title alone, you know, it's interesting because there there's a there's a difference that goes on psychologically in my head when I think about being pushed into something versus being pulled into something. Before we get into talking about it, can you talk a little bit about the title of this one and and how you were inspired to uh, make it as such?
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, here's the thing: I don't remember where I first heard that. To be honest with you, so I don't actually have somebody that I could reference on that but I have heard it some, I did hear it somewhere. And I, and I remember that uh, there was a very different idea that I was learning early on uh, where the whole, the whole idea of pushing your way to success, right? Was um, really rooted in hard work, really. and, And I, and I hate when I say it that way, because it makes it sound like hard work's a bad thing. I'm talking about working hard, suffering, struggling forever, right? It's not necessary, but that's the whole pushing idea. I got to push, 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 push in order to get there. And it's become an ideology for so many people. Um, There actually is an easier way to do it. And that is that you set something up that you want so much in front of you that the energy of that is pulling you toward it In order to be successful. So you're not pushing to get there, you're being pulled, uh, you know, in getting there. And you, it causes us to solve problems at a completely different level, with a totally different solution at the end. You know, the problem solving part of your mind works the same way, doesn't matter what problem you're solving. So if I solve a bigger problem, and here's the other thing, T, solving a bigger problem does not necessarily mean that it's harder or more complicated. It just means that you have to think bigger, you know, and not think smaller. But most of us are trained to be like, well, I'm in first grade. I got to learn everything in first grade first. And then if I pass first grade, I go to second grade. And we get that for 20, 22 years of our, of our life. But then when we go into the world, we realize something at some point we were just trained to work in the factory. You know, we were just trained to work in the proverbial factory, right? That's, you know, education was set up that way in Chicago when it first started on that basis
1: yeah, to prepare people
0: to go into the workforce, not for people to become entrepreneurs and live their dreams.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's interesting that you say that because as a teacher myself for over a decade, I used to tell the kids the same way. And I had kids in my class, I used to liken it to a stairway, right? Like on a stairway, there's all these little steps that you you know, go up one at a time to get to the top of the stairs. Well, you know, there's some kids that can jump from the bottom of the stairwell all the way to the top and they don't need to go through all those little stairways. And I used to tell them, well, no, this is how it's been done because you got to go here to get to this level and to this level. And it, it, it could have done them probably a little bit of harm in that way, now that I think about it. Um, There are some people that have to go step by step and are very, you know, deliberate in their thinking, but there's some people that can just rock it up to the top. And I think that that's what, you know, when I was thinking about this episode and going through some of my notes, you know, that's sort of where you were taking us on this, this journey of being pulled into success rather than being pushed into it. And you started off the episode with uh, Napoleon Hill which is classic texts and you refer to quite often. But something he said in there that you pulled out that I thought was really, really good was uh, the insight on how it's important to be seen by success. And you took us back to 1988 when you first came around, around 88, when you came in contact with with this book. And at that time, you didn't have any clue what you were reading. You just knew it was pure gold, right? And that book unlocked so many secrets for you as you stayed with it. So what made you persevere with it to get to that place of understanding, because usually if I don't understand something, I might just put it away. But you kept going back to this well, over and over again.
0: but but I did I did put it away for a little bit. I did put it away for a little bit. I didn't understand it right off the bat, right? Uh, I was going through it, and I didn't understand the conscious and the subconscious and all the different things that he was that he was talking about because it's it's really fascinating. I had no concept in my mind that I was working with. So I was doing something that's really interesting. I was taking something that has a different conceptual image to it, which is success. He he boiled all of those principles down from people that were massively successful. These were the 500 of the world's most successful people. They had a very different image about success than I did. So here I am learning this stuff. And of course, when we learn, what do we do? We relate in our mind to what it We're trying to find something we can relate to. I couldn't relate to any of this, right? Nothing. I couldn't relate to it. So I was having a difficult time understanding it. So I did put it down for a little bit and I started looking, you know, in different directions for other things. I just didn't know how to use the book, which was the problem. So, um, but then just a couple of years later, I picked it back up again. And because I had been growing to some degree, I started to build those cells of recognition where I started to understand a little more conceptually and the book started to make sense to me. So here's, here's a for instance, one of the first things that made instant sense to me, and you've heard me say this before, when I made that, <clears throat> when I made that jump from, from 20,000 to 62,000 in a month, right, and I couldn't, I had no idea what I had done. Like I had no clue. All I knew is that I got this result I've got my name next to on this paycheck, which was magnificent. I'm working for different people that I really like and they like me, like everything's changed. And I am pick up Think and Grow Rich sometime after that. And in the introduction, he talks about the sly disguises of opportunity. And all of a sudden that paragraph now made sense to me. I totally understood why I couldn't see the opportunity that was in front of me based on what he wrote in that book. So as I started to move forward, I was having different experiences that the book then explained why I was having those experiences, right? And that's when, later on, when I told that story to Bob Proctor, he said, oh, you were an unconscious competent. And I was like, what does that mean? What is it? What, is that a disease? What, what, what's an unconscious competent? And he explained it to me. He said, the only problem with that is that if things change, you won't necessarily know what to do to adapt to that change because you really don't understand what you're doing to begin with. He said, so you set yourself up for a big fall when you do that. But yeah, I mean, it was, you know, but then the book became a staple, you know, in my life.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I also love that you dropped the slightest guises of opportunity in there, because that's another episode, uh, episode 244, I believe, and I'll link to it in the show notes where you talked specifically about how, you know, sometimes these things don't they show themselves, but they show themselves a little bit differently than normal. And that's kind of how it was with you around this book and, and the changes you were making and, and these, these pulling effects that were happening to as opposed to being pushed. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Um, you did mention in the episode that if a person wants to do something extraordinary, they're going to need help. Not too many people, uh, very few actually get there on their own. Can you explain what a person needs to look for in order to find that person to help facilitate the growth? I mean, knowing that everybody's a little bit different and how they achieve things, but what should a person be looking for if they're looking for that someone that's going to take them to the next level?
0: I think they have to look for the next level first. The person will appear. There, there's the old saying that when the student's ready, the, the teacher will appear. So, for a long time, I was looking for somebody that could help me and I couldn't find anybody, right? I mean, it was just like a desert out there. I didn't, I didn't know what I was looking for it was part of the problem, But what I didn't know was what I really wanted. When that changed, when I got focused on something that I really wanted, all of a sudden the person appeared because as this person was describing how to get what I wanted in life, I recognized that that was the person. So like, I suppose if you're coming at it from the way you pose the question, the first thing is you have to know what you want, right? What's your outcome? Sure. Everything is about what's your outcome. And the, the difficulty is that you don't know what you're gonna to need to know to get there. So you have to have some semblance of an idea of a person that can explain something to help you get there to be able to recognize it as part of the path. I mean, in general, if you, if you know what your outcome is, what are, If you can identify what are the specific skill sets, what's the education, what's the advice, who is somebody that has traveled this path before you and is miles down the road from where you are now, those would be things that you'd actually be looking for if you're consciously going out and looking for, for a mentor.
1: Sure. And, and you also talked about in the episode, the influencers you need to meet are looking for people that are further along in the journey. And then you mentioned something about contribution and how contribution uh, comes into play, being able to contribute to one another. Can you talk about how contribution played out early on in your early business and then how it's maybe morphed over time like this? Because contribution is a big part of who you are as a person. I mean, you you contribute so much to the world and I think I'm hopefully I'm getting this accurately enough. But um how did that change over time to where you are today?
0: Well, you know like I said in the in the podcast, my first my first thing was I want to be a millionaire, right? But it was all for selfish reasons. I literally thought that if I could just get that million, all my problems would be solved, right? So that tells you of the state of mind that I was in. Back in that day, you know, um, I, I even, it was, in, and and I, I fully admit this is total magical thinking, but I even thought that it was going to solve relationship problems. Like I really did. Like I, I had, a, I was married, my first marriage for 20 years. And the real problem was that we see the world differently, right? Um, it's not that there's anything wrong with anybody. We just, see, we just have a very different way that we see the world. And what we want for our individual lives is, is also very different. But we came together as basically two kids running from dysfunctional families, right? So it was kind of like a trauma bond type thing. Sure. And we, we felt, I mean, there was genuine love there. Like, I'll always love this person. We had wonderful children. We had amazing times. But, you know, for, for the overall, there was this issue. I thought the issue would be solved by money. Because what's the problem? So when you're in a relationship with somebody, what are you experiencing when it comes to problems? Well, you're experiencing whatever the problem is of the day, right? It's the character of the person reflecting into the problem. And both of ours were money. Money's the problem. We can't give the kids what we want. We're not living in a good place. We're, doing, we're working our asses off. She, I mean, she worked just as hard as I did. So I thought to myself, okay, well, this won't be a problem between us anymore once the money shows up, not realizing how, how ignorant that statement actually is, because money is never the problem. It's never the problem. It's but everything that you experience is a symptom of the problem, you know, so it could be, it could be anything that you're experiencing with your spouse, but magical thinking says, if I could just do this, everything would be great. Like when you think about it from an ignorant mind, you know, and you grew up in a family that never really had a whole lot, you think to yourself, fuck, if I had a million dollars, like we'd all be happy. Everybody'd be happy. Everybody'd be healthy because we could afford healthy things. We'd, all, we'd be able to travel and there'd be adventure. And the kids would all go to their favorite schools. Like, like it, it's a fairy tale. Yeah, It's an oh, absolute 100%. fairy tale. It's a fairy tale. And, I think that there's so much in society that preaches that fairy tale to an extent, but until you've lived differently, you don't know that it's not a fairy tale. I didn't know. I did not know that it was a fairy tale. Um, So, uh, so that's where I'm coming from with that, with that idea.
1: Yeah, no, it's so true. And I went through the same exact thing. Like when we first were, we hired you as our mentor and then we started to grow and started to get income. I always believed that money was going to solve everything, right? I I had the magical thinking bug very early on and I realized after we started to get to a place where we were financially secure, that there was so much more that money couldn't touch, and that was when I really had to start digging deep inside myself. Had to study like you did. Had to go seek out outside counsel and therapists and things like that to really get to the root. And you did say in the episode multiple times, money is never the problem. And I know that there's people out there that are listening to this. They're just scraping by, and they believe that money is the only problem that yeah. they have in their life right now. And if they had it, every Everything would be perfect. And I think your advice, what you just said was, was uh right spot on, you know, it's a cautionary tale. Don't believe that money's going to solve it because those problems are still going to be there. Yeah. You may be a little bit more wealthy of an asshole, but you're still going to be an asshole. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, any, would you offer up any advice on how a person can assess their current mindset and maybe, uh, you know, get away from that money's not the problem. There's a deeper issue here.
0: The first thing is to be aware that there's a truth to that, right? So, we it's it's about getting down to the core issue of anything that we're dealing with you have to look at what is the problem that you're experiencing it and how are you uniquely experiencing it because look at it like this let's say let's say you and i are let's say we're both teachers i'll make myself a teacher just like you right and we live on the same block we make the same income you're experiencing a money problem i'm experiencing a money problem the way you and i will experience those things are unique to us it's unique to my issues, unique to your issues, unique to the way that we see the world differently. Even if we're very, very close, it's still a unique experience. So you have to ask yourself, how am I experiencing this in my own uniqueness? What is my unique way of experiencing this problem? Then what is this? What is the problem that I'm experiencing? So name it. I named it. It was money. But then you would go deeper and say, okay. Money is not a problem. It's a symptom of a problem. Why is money not the problem? Well, first of all, in order to understand this, you'd have to understand a little bit about money. I did not understand that money moved by cause and effect. Now you would think to yourself, Well, how did you think that it moved? I don't know. I don't know. Because but because we actually in, in a weird way, we're we're really set up to fail huge in society. We're taught that you have to be a good person, you have to have some kind of education and skill set, then you have to go work for somebody else who's going to pay you for the time that you put in on the job, whatever it is that you're doing, and you're being paid what the job's worth, right? So my money is really, the money that I receive from that person is really based on the good graces of my boss or the owner of the company to make sure that I get paid. Except all of those things that I'm doing, in the, in the if you move into the real world of being an entrepreneur, it does not generate money. Being a good person does not generate money. Doing a good job does not generate money. Showing up on time does not generate money. Being loyally committed to what I'm working or who I'm working for does not generate money. That keeps me employed by someone who generates money and then they give me money for that thing. But if you straight if you if you take that all away, now you're a person who's going to go out and I want to actually earn money firsthand. The only thing that moves money is sales. I didn't know that. I did not know that. I thought money was given to you for basically how you showed up or what it is that you do. You have to understand value. So if you're going to if you're going to look at what the cause of the problem is you also have to understand what the problem is not. And the problem is not money. And I learned that very quickly once I started working with somebody who could teach me something different. So then what is the problem? The problem is that I feel extremely insecure because I actually don't know how to earn anymore. So if I want more money, what are my options? Well, I could sell something. I've got some furniture, I've got something in the garage, we could do a garage sale, we could sell the, the little bit that we have and make a few extra buck, bucks, I could borrow money. Why do you think we have so much debt? We don't have so much debt uh, because of what people think. It's the only way people know how to go get more money. If people actually knew how to earn money and they were disciplined to do it, we, there would be no need f- for all this credit card debt in the world, right? They play off of people's insecurities. That's why they're why people are programmed to fail. So I have to understand what the problem is, what the problem is not, and then address immediately how do I fix it from accepting responsibility? So if I all of a sudden I start realize that it money is not the problem, it's my inability to earn money that is the problem. Then I start looking into, well, what are the characteristics of that? And then what do I need to learn? Who do I need to become? What skill sets do I need to learn in order to bring money into my life?
1: Yeah, so it's digging deeper. You know, the the first answer you initially get is usually not the correct one. So you got to dig a little deeper, like you just said, and continue to go down. Money is not the problem. There's something underneath it. And from what you just said, it was insecurity, what other people might think, uh, inability to make sales because of those sorts of things. And um, you can only do addition by subtraction for so long. You can only sell so much of your shit before you just have nothing left. So why not earn, like I am convinced that the most important skill that is not taught in our educational system is the ability to sell. Like if you can sell, no matter what happens, whatever industry you're in, if you know how to sell and do it properly and use it psychologically, there's nothing in this world you can do and you'll never go without, period.
0: Right, right. Such a, and such and, a and cool here's the thing. thing, you don't need to be this, a big, massive entrepreneur in order to live very well just by learning that skill. Because yeah. then all your, all you have to do then is find things of value and then sell them. That's true.
1: Yeah, no, and this is a perfect segue into uh, talking about the analogy that was the common thread throughout this episode was the different levels, you know, from where we start, you talked about starting from the bottom. um, And there's two things that tend to happen when someone is first starting out in business. You mentioned either one, they become frustrated and give up or they realize where they're at. They're starting from where they are and they begin to make a change to start to ascend those levels. And clearly you chose the ladder going from, you, you mentioned lower than the ground floor. I think you said it was the basement where you started out yeah. early on. And then you went to the upper floors rather quickly and the change was centered on changing your attitude. And then of course it wasn't a quick change. It was seven years of in-depth studying working on your mindset. And then the the kicker was you hired a mentor to help take you to that next level. And I think that's an important, you know, story to share. And then one of those things is that um, you have to be willing to put in the work just by hiring the mentor wasn't enough. You had to be willing to do what he told you to do. And that, obviously came from, you know, going to all of his seminars and traveling across the country in the front of the plane and riding in the back of the car, which another episode you did, episode 73, front of the plane, back of the car was the title, kind yeah. of gave you that sort of insight. A lot of people don't realize you did those things. They may say things like, well, it's easy for David Nagel to do that because he's David freaking Nagel. The truth is you were end up going into the hole and funding your travel just to go to these things by learning from it. And you even mentioned you took out a loan to fund that that, which quickly ran out. So could you take us back really quickly to that experience and what that was like and how you overcame any sort of a fears associated with, you know, spending your way to success? Because I have to believe that at some point in time, there was some fear that gripped you that said, man, I'm like one bad month from being out of business here.
0: Yeah. So the first thing was, um, I think I started to learn the value in in myself the day that I made the decision to sell my boat to go to the Tony Robbins seminar, I, you have to understand that seminar was more than I made in a month. Right. It was, wow. it was more, it was like a month and a half s salary to be able to do that, you know? And, and the viewpoint at the time was who does something like that? Like, you know, we're not rich here. What the hell are you doing? A month? And a, you know, there's only 12 months in the year. You're going to spend a month and a half and go to a seminar. And how fast is that going to work, right? How How's that going to change anything? But I knew that I had to educate myself some way. And I I realized when my attitude changed that the real problem was me. It wasn't so much in what I knew as far as a skill set, even though that did apply. But the real problem that I was having was me. There was something that I just did not understand that I needed to learn. So by the time I got to, uh, after the seven years had passed, I had really not done anything at that point to, to to consciously increase my income. I dabbled with a network marketing company for a little while, um, but I quickly realized I was really looking for my purpose too. And I quickly realized that it, that wasn't it. So I did make some money with that, but I also invested a lot in the making of that. So it was it was probably a little upside down versus actually having a profit. But when I went to work, uh, when I went, when I, when I got mentored by by Proctor, that's when things took on a completely different um, vision, if you will, because he was basically forcing me to start a hundred miles ahead of where I was, and then grow into that, expand into that vision, right? So yeah, I had to take out a second mortgage, I had to get some more credit cards, like I was really pumping it into the debt situation. Um, And it was it was really the mortgage thing that allowed me to to expand. Because when I took that out, I was able to pay off some of those credit cards, which freed up some credit there, and kind of expand what I was doing a little bit as far as what I could do. But I also knew, like you said, this wasn't going to last forever. So I needed to find a way to actually start earning some money. But And here's what, I didn't say this in the podcast, but here's what he actually said to me. There was something that was coming up and I was running short of money. And he said, are you going? And I I, I don't remember what it was. It was an event of some kind. He said, are you going? And I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going. And he said, why aren't you going? And I said, well, I'm really, I'm really running short on, on credit to be able to go. And I'm like, I mean, I could probably sell something. I I said something like that. And he said to me, and then what? And I said, well, yeah, that's the question. Then what? He said, what are you going to do next? Sell the kids. And he was basically saying that strategy sucks and you're going to find yourself without anything if you don't change that strategy. Now, he didn't tell me how to change the strategy, but he put that in my mind for me to start thinking very differently about what I was doing. So I think it really sped up the process to some degree for me to actually start my own business. The question then became, what is it? What is the business that I'm going to start? You know, I didn't know. And of course, my approach was starting from the bottom and working my way up. I didn't know that at the time, but through his guidance, he prompted me, I think, to actually think much bigger than what I thought I could do.
1: Yeah, that's that's huge. I I love that. And a couple things that came to mind, one really interesting one was when you were talking about selling your boat for, you know, the Tony Robbins event. I thought to myself it reminded me of one of those old uh, diamond ring commercials they used to play where they'd say how else can a month and a half's worth of salary last a lifetime? I think yeah. you just proved to us yeah. that um the teachings that you were able to glean and the the idea that you were able to do that thing to fund you know, your growth. I think a lot of people listening may just feel like, well, I'm just spending all this money. I'm not getting anything in return. I'm not getting anything back. When you stop and realize that's not the truth, you you come to this realization that, man, everything I put out is going to come back to me because I'm willing to put in the work. I think that's the big thing about being pulled into success is that willingness to Take that opportunity as it comes and keep on working. If you haven't made any sales today, then get on the phone and go until you make a sale. I mean, right. there's thing there's there's places where people stop, and I think that's the difference between being pushed into something and being pulled into uh, something as well. And Absolutely. you know, you, you follow the same process. You mentioned this in the episode. You create the vision. You put that vision out there and you behave as if you already have it. And, you know, that's where the title of this episode comes from. You're being pulled into success rather than being pushed. So is there a way to ensure that this works for just anyone? Because I have a feeling there may be some skeptics out there who say, well, yeah, I don't know if that's something that can happen to me, whether they're playing the victim card or whatever it might be. Is there a way or a step-by-step opportunity for someone to ensure that it works for them?
0: There's no way to ensure that it works because the biggest piece of the puzzle is will you do the next thing that's put in front of you? And here's what nobody can know when is that next thing going to be the thing that earns you the money, so to speak? Right. I had to say yes to a lot of things that cost money first before I ever made a dime. And the, 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 like the reason, like if you go behind the reason for that, it's because I didn't know where I was. I didn't know where I was in my own growth. I didn't know what I needed next. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I was finding out by attempting and then actually not getting the result that I wanted that I needed something more and I needed something more and I needed something more. However, I'll tell you this if it, if the whole, if all of that would have showed up as like one package, right? I don't think I would have done it because it would have been too much. Yeah, you it were would ready have been to too handle. much. Finan- yeah, it'd have been too much financially, too much psychologically for me to handle. So it was a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and it was slowly building myself up. So what I would tell somebody is, in order to do this properly, you've got to create something that you want, put that vision out in front of you, and then ask yourself, how do I start doing that now? And don't think about how you can't do it. You got to think about how are you going to do it now? So if if you pay attention to what I told Proctor, he said, what do you want? I said, I want to be a millionaire. He got me behaving as if I was a millionaire immediately. I was flying first class. I was taking limousines. I was going to all these these five-star resorts, going to seminars and like all this stuff, right? It was a shit ton of money. No question about it. But it made me also think it created a problem. And that problem became a big problem. But now I had to raise my thinking to solve a big problem, not a little problem. A little problem would have been, how do I get to this event as cheaply as possible, right? A big problem is I spent all this money on this event. Now, how do I pay for all this money? Big difference. Big difference. Big difference. So you have to be willing to step into the bigness of the solution. You know what I mean?
1: If you're not willing to
0: think big, it won't work.
1: That's true. Yeah, think bigger. I think that's, uh, there's not much more we can say. And I think that's just the perfect way to end this is just think bigger. I mean, there's an opportunity for everybody out there to do something great. Um, And I think this episode really uh, encapsulates all that you stand for. So, uh, I appreciate you coming inside, David.
0: Thanks, T.